it's Lo. Hi, I'm Haley. And, and we, we are Wrestling Wind Down. On this week's episode, we're covering everything Money in the Bank, including our favorite moments, the best matches, and of course, our word on the streets. Money in the Bank took place last Sunday night. Very interesting pay-per-view. I think there was a lot of outcomes that we didn't expect and a lot of moments that pissed people off obviously that happens every pay-per-view I mean overall I I enjoyed it I thought that there were like you said a lot of great moments a lot of weird moments but I thought that it was a successful pay-per-view and overall it had really good reviews so the women's money in the bank ladder match had Bailey a new entrant Nikki Cross since Alexa Bliss was announced that she couldn't compete which had people nervous since she hasn't really competed much and I don't know she says her career is fine but with her getting pulled out of this match it kind of seemed like the opposite but that's her business she gets up her wine whatever um Natalia Naomi Carmella Dana Brooke Mandy Rose and Ember Moon we did not see a Sasha interruption as nope. we thought it was rumored that Sasha was going to come in and take Dana Brooke's spot which I'm glad she didn't because like I said last week Dana Brooke deserves her moment and I felt like she had that during this match so it was a good match yeah I wish that there was more from Ember Moon and when Sonia Deville came in I got a little nervous because I was like if someone ruins this mm-hmm. I'm gonna be so pissed but it didn't get ruined. Well, you know, Carmella, we don't know if she's really injured or not. Right, yeah. There was that moment where Mandy Rose hit the ladder and it hit Carmella's knee. And what I rewatched the clip numerous times and people in the Twitterverse were saying that it wasn't a work, like she was actually injured and that's why she kept shooing her away like that. Mm-hmm. And people are wondering why she just didn't roll out of the ring, which then people really would have been worried. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if she's really injured because she came back out and she got back involved. And she climbed the ladder. Right. But it looked real because she sat on the side for a minute and talked to the refs and everything. I don't know. I don't know. But she did come back out, so. I think she just wanted to be Miss Money in the Bank again, which unfortunately she didn't. She did not. Her bestie, Bailey, climbed the ladder and got the briefcase this year. That was a great moment. I know that we didn't really want Bailey to win. We wanted someone else to win. But Bailey took advantage of it, and I mean, as we'll talk about later on in the show, she made it worth it, and everything worked out for her. I think it was a good moment for her. You know, she, she was teaming with Sasha for the longest time, and, and you know, Bailey, she held the Raw Women's Championship before a long time ago, and now she had the Money in the Bank title, which later on in the night she ended up cashing in. For which title? One of Becky's titles, obviously. But, I mean, it's a good moment for her. Obviously, I didn't want to see her win, but... We'll just sip our wine and, you know... Move on. We can't do anything else. Nope. We'll see a lot more Bailey, though, so we can look forward to that. So, in our predictions, we wanted Ember to win, so obviously, none of us got points for that one. So, sad face. The United States Championship was up for grabs. Rey Mysterio defeated Samoa Joe to become the United States champion as well as a Grand Slam champion. How did you feel about that match? Well, let's talk about the ref. So Samoa Joe's shoulders were not down during the three count. So I am so mad because I didn't really, like, care who won this match. Mm -hmm. But he didn't win it right. Like, he didn't win it fairly. I agree. You saw the shock in Ray's face, and I feel like the ref just f***ed up, 
and they both were caught off guard mm-hmm. because everyone okay honestly like even Stevie Wonder saw that Samojo's shoulders weren't down his one shoulder was clearly up right and the ref still counted is the ref blind they were saying that Samojo is just so big that he couldn't like oh, come see on. and I was like that is these refs are trained he was in a, a certain spot where I guess that could have been a blind spot like he couldn't have seen his shoulders but as as you said these refs are trained to count and make sure the shoulders are down right, yeah and I don't care how small Ray is. I don't care how big Smojo is. That count should have been correct. These refs were just f***ing up the whole night. I honestly had no interest in this match until they screwed up and then I was interested. So I don't know. And I mean, Dominic is a, is a huge factor in these matches. And it should be interesting to see what WWE does with him going forward. I mean, Samoa Joe kind of deserves a rematch after that one, but we'll see what they do with this. So, in our predictions, Haley predicted that Samoa Joe would win, and I predicted Rey Mysterio, so I am up by one. Mm, I'm this falling is, behind. This is going good so far. During the Steel Cage match featuring Shane McMahon and The Miz, there was so much leading up to this match, so much drama, and I was disappointed with this match just because, again, the refs messed up, and... I feel like Shane McMahon got out easy. So the entire match, The Miz seemed like he was going to win. And everyone on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everyone thought that The Miz was going to win just because he wanted it more. He wanted to defend his father's name. But Shane McMahon kept trying to climb out of the steel cage because if he landed with two feet down, he would have won regardless. Right. So at one point in this match... The Miz was about to win from a three count, but Shane McMahon put his leg up on the rope and the ref broke it up, which he shouldn't have. So the Miz should have won in that moment. But the announcers were saying Shane McMahon's father pays our bills like the ref knows this. So he just gave him a pass. I think that's interesting since, you know, with some steel cage matches, the ones that I've seen, it's you can win either three ways. You can climb over the cage or through the door so you leave the cage all together and you win or you win by pinfall or submission so if the ref broke up the count when Shane's foot was on the rope he's correct because in a typical match and if this was a steel cage match how they usually do where they bend the rules they break up a count if the foot is on the rope but I mean the announcers just made it seem like that shouldn't have been a thing but I honestly think Shane got off really easy in this. I think I just expect more because, you know, I used to see these steel cage matches back in the day and it was just so gruesome. Like you would see blood. Everyone would just be like so into it. I'm not saying they weren't into it, but I just feel like they didn't go above and beyond in this match. Shane's whole tactic was to get out of the ring, not fight. Yeah. And that's when everything went downhill. It was kind of boring for a steel cage match, in my opinion. Bring back ECW. Don't at me. I predicted Shane McMahon would win, and Haley predicted The Miz would win. I have another point. I don't know why this is happening. I just picked the people that I thought might win. I'm slacking. It's fine. I'm sure you got some of them right. (laughs) We'll see. So the next match was for the Cruiserweight Championship with Tony Nese and Aria Davari. I love the 205 205 Live matches that were leading up to this. This match kind of let me down, though. 
I just thought that, you know, their athleticism in 205 Live is amazing. And I think that they do go above and beyond in some of their moves just because, like we've said before, like they're stuck in 205 Live, so they do the best that they can. Right. But They work with what they got. Yes. And so during Money in the Bank, I thought that they would go above and beyond because they kind of like escaped the 205 Live. They escaped the damn pre-show. That's what they did. Exactly. You know, it was interesting. I was doing my research on the matches for Money in the Bank and what a lot of people were saying online. And someone said that this show should have been a pre-show match or it should have been aired when Game of Thrones was on because a lot of people were saying, how is WWE's ratings going to be since the Game of Thrones season, series, whatever finale was on. And that's kind of sad. Like, they kind of made it seem like they had the wrong spot on the card. You know, I think it's a good thing that they weren't on the pre-show. I mean, maybe the matches could have been switched around. But saying that this match belonged on the pre-show is sad because we talk about it all the time. We don't want the women on the pre-show and we don't want the cruiserweights on the pre-show because that's what everyone expects. WWE tried to switch it up and y'all are still complaining. Like, I don't understand. On the pre-show, we had Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos, which was a huge change. I know a lot of people are into the Usos. I love the Usos as well. But come on now. We need to switch it up. And obviously, people complained about that too. Whatever. Just watch the pay-per-view. Drink your Chardonnay and shut up. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude about it, but I feel like a lot of people are so opinionated. And when the WWE gives them what they want, finally... Batista, they get mad. They're like, well, this should have been on the pre-show. Like, you need to give people chances. If Yeah. I'm not saying no one watches 205 Live. It just right. has less viewership than Absolutely. Raw and SmackDown. So I'm happy that they put this on the show because maybe people who didn't really know about 205 Live will watch this match and be right. impressed and then go watch it. So I'm happy that they didn't. You just felt like they could have done a better job at showcasing their talent. Exactly. I get what you're saying. Exactly. People need to stop complaining. So for the Tony Nese versus Arya Davari match. We both thought Tony would win. And we were both right on that. Yay. <laughs> Becky Lynch took on Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. Becky fought twice in one night. During our last show, I said that if they put her back to back in matches, I was going to be pissed. And they did. And they did. They put her back to back where, yes, she could have not gone straight into the second match, but she probably had so much like built up energy going that she was just like, okay, let's do this. But still, no, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said, competitors need time to kind of like go on the back, get their mind together, and come back out and compete again. In Royal Rumble matches, for example, if someone is defending a title, they'll have them defend it earlier in the night, and then they had the Royal Rumble match at the end of the night. Now, I know this is not a Royal Rumble match, but it's two matches. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone that loses their title at the beginning of the night, they'll come and face off in the Royal Rumble, and it's at the end of the night. So they have, what, an hour and a half to two hours to just kind of sit in gorilla and kind of just get their shit together, right? No. It almost felt like Becky Lynch was in a gauntlet match because she had two matches back-to-back. So after the first match, Charlotte came out and demanded that Becky have her next match right after that. It killed me a little bit. But it's stupid. It is. And, you know, Charlotte won. She did not keep that title for very long. Okay, but Lacey Evans got involved in their mm-hmm. match, and she hit Becky Lynch with the woman's right. So honestly, Charlotte Flair didn't win fairly. No, absolutely not. The ref was turned around. He didn't even see Lacey come out. 
that's how Charlotte won. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Well, first of all, obviously her title reign didn't last long, but I'm tired of Charlotte Flair having the title. I know that she's a great woman to have on the pedestal and have as a top, you know, champion, which I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that she isn't, but again, diversity. We need someone else as a women's champion. Charlotte Nine Belts is what they were calling her. And see, she's beat Trish Stratus's record. That's what we were talking about before, yeah. too. Trish Stratus held the record of the most women's championship reigns, and now Charlotte Flair has it. And then Bailey came out, and yeah. she cashed in. Bailey capitalized on this. And she won, and Bailey is the new SmackDown Women's Live champion, and people are salty. I was reading tweets, and someone said they were pissed because... This is the second year in a row where someone, specifically the women, has cashed in the same night. Which, okay, I get that they, they're capitalizing, but think about the men. We've had so many great cash-ins that haven't happened on the same night. We've had Edge, we've had Dolph Ziggler. We've had men wait until the last night of their contract to go cash their damn money in the bank briefcase in. I mean, even with Carmella, she didn't cash in for a while. and Right. And a lot of people, when she was you know, kind of looming around with her briefcase. They thought every week she's going to cash it in. She's going to cash it in. It was just the suspense. No one probably thought Bailey was going to cash in. Right. But I don't know. I don't really like the cash-ins the night of. The only one that I can think of that was really good was Seth Rollins when he cashed in at WrestleMania on Roman Reigns and won the WWE Championship. That was good. But when you're at Money in the Bank or you're at some other pay-per-view, it's just not as – I mean, obviously the crowd loved it, you know – I think the crowd's tired of seeing the same champion over and over, but... The one thing that I did like about this was Charlotte got a taste of her own medicine because right. she had to do back-to-back matches. So mm-hmm. even before Bailey cashed in, she beat Charlotte up to the point where she couldn't even move. Yeah. And so when she cashed in, she immediately did a three count and won. So it worked out in her favor, but... You're right. The suspense just isn't there. You know what I think is going to happen next? I feel like... WWE is somehow going to get Sasha to come back, and it's the perfect storyline. You have Bailey, who is now a women's champion, and you have Sasha Banks. We haven't heard from her in four score and seven years. She's going to come back, and she's going to get in Bailey's face and be like, so we're not a team anymore, and then they're going to go after the title. That's what I think. That would be a I good could story be wrong, line. but maybe I should be a WWE writer. I seem to know what I'm doing. That would be a great storyline. I think people would actually be intrigued because we still don't know where Sasha is. We don't even know if her hair is purple anymore. She could be anyone right now. She could be anywhere. I know. A new identity. So for the Lacey versus Becky match, we both thought that Becky would win. Obviously, we were right there. And we both thought that Becky would win versus Charlotte. And we were both wrong since Charlotte ended up winning and Bailey cashed in her money in the bank briefcase. So the next match is what people are calling the best match of the whole night. So it was Roman Reigns versus Elias. And when they were walking into the ring, Elias came up behind Roman Reigns and smashed his guitar into him. So no one really knew if Roman was even going to make it into the ring, which he did eventually after Elias sang an entire song. He made it through an entire song for the first time. What that man sing? I was, I was like, oh my god, Roman Reigns, come on! I mean, it was an interesting match. WWE was up against Game of Thrones at like literally, like right up against it, and they needed something that was going to help them stand out. 
this was interesting enough to where wrestling fans didn't want to tune out. I mean, some of them did, obviously. Maybe they weren't fans of Elias, or maybe they were fans of Roman Reigns, whatever. They might have tuned off, or they might have changed the channel. But, I mean, it was an interesting match. It was quick once Roman got in the ring with him, but... Yeah, and we heard Elias with an, with an electric guitar this time. Wow. I know. What a musical genius. I mean, you could call him that. For Roman versus Elias... We were also both right. We both thought that Roman was going to win. Hell yeah. In the next match, we had Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the Universal Championship. This was a match that a lot of people were looking forward to. And, you know, it was a good match. I liked it. I give it an A+. I think they did a good job with, as I said before, the Game of Thrones finale. I definitely think this is not the end for AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, which I don't want it to be. They're both great competitors, and I feel like they can put on a wide variety of matches. This was just a regular match, but just imagine what they could do with, you know, a steel cage match or tables, ladders, and chairs match. Right, and Seth retained his championship in this, which you predicted. I did not, so go you. But overall, this match was... You know, pretty interesting. I'm not the biggest fan of AJ, and the reason I predicted him winning was because of the wild card rules and how he kept coming to the different brands. So I was just surprised that they did not crown AJ Styles the new Universal Champion, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I hope that Seth retains it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in AJ's hands. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We unfortunately had an appearance from one of our great followers, Lars Sullivan. Oh, yes. So it was revealed this week that Lars Sullivan was fined $100,000 for his racist and homophobic comments made years ago. And what does he decide to do? Go and attack Mexican wrestlers. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. He was bleeding a lot during this match, which really grossed me out. But the reason why I don't like this attack is because of those comments, and I feel like it was something that someone backstage would be like, this would kind of be funny. Like, if Lars went out and attacked these Hispanic wrestlers mm-hmm. after he's made jokes online about different ethnicities and and he's made comments about Hispanic people, it's just not funny. Like, can they just put him on the bench and let him sit there? Also, this match wasn't what it was supposed to be. No, it was, it was supposed, supposed to be a, a segment. Six, it was yeah. supposed to be a six-man tag team match. But it was Lucha House Party and Lars Sullivan. I found it interesting this week. I was reading online. I forgot what the source was. But when Lars Sullivan was going to debut, it was probably like around the beginning of the year. They cut him off. They kept him backstage. And everyone was wondering what was going on. You saw his promos every week. And you knew he was in NXT. So you figured, you know, okay, he's going to make his main roster debut any week now. And then... Word got online that he was dealing with anxiety, and that's why he wasn't on TV, and everyone felt bad for him. Come to find out, the reason why he had anxiety was because he thought that his comments that he made online years ago would get resurfaced. How f***ed up is that? And I don't know if this is just a moment where WWE wasn't thinking, or if they really did think that this was going to be funny in a sort of way. Like, I don't know. I don't think that they could mess up that bad, but also... Who knows? Who at knows? This point. Like it just irritates me because I don't understand why he's still getting this push that he is. Mm-hmm. With the amount of people that are on social media that stay on there for long hours of the day and dig for information and find this stuff about Lars Sullivan 
And WWE, they fined him, obviously. And I was reading, and they said $100,000 is how much he made in NXT last year. So that's pretty much his whole NXT paycheck. Why is he still on TV? They need to treat Lars Sullivan like some f***ing winter clothes, okay? They need to put him in the back of the closet until it starts snowing again, and then they could bring him out. Maybe like winter clothes in Vegas, where they just never come out. Exactly! We don't need him on the roster. I, I understand that people make mistakes, and people are not perfect, and WWE feels like... You know, maybe they solved the issue by finding him. But, but he people, hasn't apologized. Thank you. He has not apologized Supposedly yet. he did. Mm. I read something where he supposedly put a comment up online and apologized, but when I went to go find it, I didn't see anything. You would so, think he would, like, pin that tweet. Thank you. Or, like, make everyone know he feels bad about what he said. Apparently not. I think it's wine time. Let's continue wine time because Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens – this is the next match that we're going to talk about. Okay. This was an interesting match. So we both thought Kofi was going to win. So go us. And Kevin Owens is just an amazing heel. But Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens have different wrestling styles. I know that Kevin Owens was a member of the New Day for a hot second, a hot literally. Second, yes. But, you know, after that, they really don't have anything in common. Yeah. They wrestle different. They have different attitudes. Just yeah, all of it. I think Kofi did a great job at defending his title without the help of the New Day, which, side note, by the time this episode goes live, we'll see Biggie back on SmackDown Live. I'm glad that he could hop off Twitter and stop flirting with Becky Lynch's mom in order to get back in the ring. Obviously, he was injured with the torn meniscus. A lot of people, of course, a heel turn, a heel turn. I think it was a good match, like you said. Obviously, these two superstars have very different styles. Kofi is more in the air. He jumps around. He's energetic. And Kevin Owens is more of a technical wrestler. He Mm -hmm. doesn't really go to the top rope. He isn't really jumping out of the ring. So... Yeah, their two styles are different, but that's what makes a match interesting to see how these two kind of mesh together in order to get the job done. I agree. Also, I thought it was a little odd that Kevin Owens thought it would be fun to take off Kofi Kingston's shoes during the match. Maybe he has a foot fetish. <laughs> I mean, if he does, keep it off the air. I don't uh, need to know amen. about any of that. Amen. <laughs> We had the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match featuring Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, Randy Orton, Andrade, and Ali. Sami Zayn was supposed to be in the match, but he ended up getting attacked by Braun Strowman. Or we think it was Braun Strowman. I mean, you don't think it's Braun Strowman. I don't think it was Braun Strowman. I think it had to be Brock Lesnar, but... Here's the thing. I don't think it was Brock because Sami was not supposed to be in the match... He replaced Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman was probably pissed. This man took his spot. He's going to take him out. Like, it makes more sense than freaking Brock Lesnar. But why would Brock Lesnar be there at all? Like, when he held the Universal Championship for, what, like 700 days, he barely wrestled at all. He didn't want to be there. So why would he be there during a pay-per-view that he wasn't even in? Our favorite event ever, Saudi Arabia, is coming up. We know Brock Lesnar is on the card. They had to fit him in somewhere. Now, I understand that they're going to have Goldberg versus The Undertaker at that event, and these two do not have any active storylines, which is why they're in the same match. But Brock Lesnar, they kind of had to weave him in somewhere. I thought they would weave him in with, with Rollins and Styles because that's who he lost the title to. He lost the title to Seth Rollins, but... This, it pissed me off, too, how this match went, because no one expected Brock Lesnar to come out. I thought Ali had it. And I thought Andrade had it. We were both wrong. 
But both of these wrestlers did amazing in yes, this match. They, they did. proved themselves. And I wonder if like they'll have a storyline together because I feel like they're both coming up like so fast. I just need to express my dislike of Brock Lesnar in this okay, match. I'm ready. This is bullshit. <laughs> okay, so we had very capable superstars. And I saw someone on Twitter, and I was like, you're on the same brainwave as me. They were like, why is everyone not wanting Randy Orton to win? See, didn't I tell you? Randy Orton hasn't had a storyline in a while. So I thought, okay, Randy Orton might get this one. And Bray Wyatt is a smart choice to think, oh, he might come out. We've seen his promos. But he's not fully developed in his new character. Mm. We're seeing, like, bits and pieces of him being fucking crazy. And then we're seeing bits and pieces of him painting houses and doing all this yada yada. So I didn't expect him. But freaking Brock Lesnar comes out. Everyone was mad about this match. I only saw a handful, not even a handful, maybe, like, a teaspoonful of people that were happy that Brock was back. Everyone else was so pissed because they didn't expect him to be back. Like you said, he wasn't even there when he held a title, so why is he there now to win a briefcase? How long do you think it's going to take him to cash in? And when would he cash in? When is he ever on the show? Someone mentioned online about Brock Lesnar holding this Money in the Bank briefcase, which is logical, and it makes sense, and it fits the mold of Money in the Bank, but it still irritates me. Money in the bank and the cash-in is supposed to be mysterious. If you have someone that's never in the building, never present, you don't know when he's going to pop up, then you never know when he's going to cash in. So Brock Lesnar is kind of the perfect person to have the belt. But you think about it, Bray Wyatt could have been the perfect person too. He's in his funhouse. He ain't on Raw. Or Ali or Andrade, who are on the shows. That's too much like right. You're right, you're right. WWE I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed with the end of this match. Yeah, and it just ended with Brock Lesnar on top of the ladder holding it, and that's not a good way to end a pay-per-view. I also thought that Finn Balor died in this match because of the... How many times oh my he was God. thrown? Come on. I, who is doing this to him backstage? He hit every single ladder at when least him twice. And, no, when him and Andrade were on that ladder and he fell, that's I thought something. I was scared. Like, I was genuinely scared. There's, you know, you'll see moments in matches and you're like, holy sh**, you know, that was cool. But that moment, it scared me because he, like, the way he fell, yeah. oh, my God, that was just scary. Please do not try this at home. And it didn't just happen once. It happened numerous so times. many times. I wonder if... Finn Balor walked into a creative meeting for Money in the Bank and he was like, I volunteer as Tribune. Throw me off the ladder. Throw me off all the ladders. And they were like, you know what? Bet. Like, did he know? I, I hope he, he had knew. to know. Oh my god. <laughs> On the kickoff show, we had Daniel Bryan and Rowan defending their new WWE Tag Team Championship belt against the Usos and they ended up winning. It was a good match. The crowd was lively for a pre-show. I think the Usos did a good job because they were salty a couple weeks ago because Shane McMahon wanted to just hand over the title belts to Brian and Rowan. But I think these two did a good job at defending their titles. I haven't seen Daniel Bryan in a tag team since he was tag teaming with Kane as Team Hell No. It's been so long, but these two definitely work well in the ring together. But with a team like the Usos who have been together longer and they know each other's style in the ring... You know, I kind of thought there would be a disconnect there, but it didn't really seem like there was. 
No, it was interesting, especially to see how they used the wild card rule. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a good match. I think that the Usos should have won just because they are, as we said, like a designated tag team. And we don't know how long Daniel Bryan and Rowan are going to be together. Right. But I am happy that they put this on the kickoff show compared to the 205 Live Cruiserweight match. But still, this was a better match than some of the other matches, if we're being honest. Let's get into our word on the street. So Mick Foley announced the 24-7 title, which is a new title on WWE. So they previewed it during this pay-per-view. And, you know, no one really knew what it was going to be, but it is this 24-7 title. Interesting that Mick Foley announced this title belt since he was on Monday Night Raw a couple years ago. And Stephanie McMahon threw him off and said never to come back. But obviously, as WWE works... Mick Foley is back, and he announces 24-7 championship, which can, quote-unquote, be won by anyone or everyone, but I don't think women can fight for it. I didn't see anything online about women being able to compete for it. It said only men. It said it can be defended anywhere at any time, and currently R-Truth holds the title, and no one has any idea where R-Truth is so they can win the title. I... Do not like this title belt design. I think it's ugly. It is, compared to any of the other title belts, it is hideous. And I know people are like, well, it doesn't matter. It's not your title belt. But it does matter. It's ugly. It is ugly. But I like the concept behind it. I think they could have done a better job at creating the title. We know it's a 24-7 title belt. We don't need it right on the damn plate of the belt. I do think it was interesting, the crowd reaction when Mick Foley announced the title belt. A lot of people were giving their guesses online. They thought it would be like a social media belt. A lot of people did think it would be a belt that would be defended at any time, but they just didn't know the name of it. Or they thought it would be the resurrection of the hardcore title. But people in attendance were salty. They were booing. And, I mean, that's kind of embarrassing. Like, You have this new title belt. You expect your fans to be excited about it. I'm assuming they were booing because they saw how it looked. Probably. I mean, I'll be booing if women can't win it. From what it seems like, I don't think that women are allowed to. Obviously, I don't know all the stipulations and stuff. It seems like from what they said that it's only men, but you never know. You might get someone in there that will snatch it up, maybe... You know, when I was looking up more information about this title, I found this lovely article on Forbes that called the new 24-7 title, saying that it will be meaningless in no time. It will be. It's pretty much a jobber belt. Like, you have these men that are on the roster that typically are not on the shows that are going to win it. You have Titus O'Neil, who is not weekly on Raw, Robert Roode with his weird-ass mustache, R-Truth, who actually does appear on SmackDown quite often, you just have these random people winning the belt. So this belt can be defended on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK, and even part-time legends, it says. Anywhere. So where? how is it going to, if it gets stuck on 205 Live, like, how is it going to escape? Or if it gets stuck on NXT, how is it going to come to Raw? Because someone from... The Raw roster, someone from the main event roster would have to go on NXT oh, and win the belt. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see it starting some interesting storylines. I do agree. I think this could bring about different storylines. But at the same time, like, I'm thinking of the different championships in WWE right now. And I can't think of people off the top of my head that are champions. Like, who's the Intercontinental Champion right now? 
We should know this stuff. With this belt being won so frequently, how the hell am I supposed to keep up with this? WWE doesn't update that fast. And not everyone watches every single right. brand, so if it switches brands, this is a show. Get lost. I don't think this is going to end up well. Another WWE superstar announced that he will not be renewing his contract once it expires in five years. AJ Styles just announced that right now he is 41 years old, but in five years, AJ Styles will be 46. And he says that this is the perfect time for him to just end his career with WWE and spend the rest of his time with his family. He says that at 46, he thinks that he might be like a little too old Mm -hmm. to keep competing, which he knows his body more than anyone else. So he listens to that and he just signed a contract so he does have five years left so tons of storylines tons of time for everyone to enjoy him in the ring yes enjoy him in the rings i think this is a smart call by aj styles we've mentioned here before that some we superstars just don't know when to stop Mm -hmm. some of them are on the saudi arabia card i will not name names (laughs) but i think this is a smart decision by him he does have young kids You know, 46 is up there in age when it comes to professional wrestling. You can't throw your body around like you used to. This this is a smart call by him. I wish some other superstars would stop coming back, going to Saudi Arabia, a show that no one wants to watch in the first place, and wrestling. Let's just stop. I know people are going to get mad and be like, why are you talking about the legends like that? But you have to think about their health first. A couple months ago, someone tweeted that The Undertaker has signed a new contract, and... I had tweeted them and said that he just needs to retire already. And this person was so salty at me because they said, he's in great shape. What do you mean? He just lost 10 pounds. I'm kind of like, are you his scale? And secondly, he was on Monday Night Raw for one night for a minute, literally a minute. How do you know what shape he's in? Of course, he's going to throw down for a minute. You can't expect him to be in the, the ring for 15 to 20 minutes. This Goldberg and Undertaker match at the new Saudi Arabia show, it scares me because these men are older. They're not 25, 30 anymore. I agree. I mean, we're not, I mean, I think some people might think, oh my God, they're bashing them, like I said, but no, we're like, not. If, yeah. If, if wrestlers want to keep wrestling after, you know, mid 40s and they think that they're up to it, great. Go for it. But I feel like at the same time, the audience can see when you're struggling. Right. And and the rest certain of- superstars for a long time now they've been getting back in the ring and they struggle they take forever to get to the ring they're just not in the best shape anymore they have to keep getting surgeries in order to come back like i feel like that's when you go too far that's when you need to know when to stop and they can't do the wrestling moves that everyone exactly. loves they can't do the things that make people be like oh my god that's amazing this is right. why i watch wrestling they just do the basic wrestling moves that you know anyone could do No shade, though. No shade. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying there's a time that they need to call it quits, and they just need to accept that. Right. StarCast and Double or Nothing is coming to Las Vegas this weekend, our hometown. We're very excited. We're going to be popping up at StarCast and see what it's all about. We've never been to anything like this before, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited. There's different shows that's taking place obviously double or nothing is on saturday but it's just it's interesting you know wrestlemania always has like their long events during the weekend and people are able to fly out and go and you know meet different people and now it's here i know i'm so excited for this i don't really watch brands other than wwe so i'm excited to get to know like the outside world of wrestling we do have some people that were formerly in wwe who are competing Mm -hmm. 
at Double or Nothing, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, also known as Goldust. They're competing in the main event. We have Chris Jericho, who obviously has been in the WWE many times before. He's facing off against Kenny Omega. And then... And I mean, like we've said, a bunch of wrestlers don't want to renew their contract with WWE, and they keep saying that they want to go to AEW. Which Ty Dillinger, also known as Sean Spears, announced that he's competing in the Battle Royal at Double or Nothing. And there has been some rumors since Pac, formerly known as Neville, his whole thing with him not being able to compete... In the United States, his I guess something with his visa, and then people are saying that it has to do with him not wanting to be defeated since he is a champion in another organization. So his match against Adam Page was online today instead of being at the pay-per-view. So now everyone's like, well, who's Adam Page going to face? And everyone's saying, it's Dean Ambrose. That's what I was about to say. Are we going to see John Moxley. John Moxley this weekend? <sighs> I will cry. I will be so excited. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting because a lot of people are upset that this match between Pac and Paige didn't go as planned. And people are thinking that AEW knew all along that it wouldn't happen. And now they're going to stick Moxley in the match and draw the people back in. Which, okay, yeah, it's a good marketing plan, but you're still lying to your fans. You knew the whole time. So, I don't know. I want to see Dean Happy again wrestling. Now, John Moxley. I want to see him... We want to see him thrive. It's You know, I always wonder, like, these superstars that have significant others that are in different organizations, like, you wonder how their dynamic is. You know, obviously Renee Young is still in the WWE. She's a announcer on Monday Night Raw. And you have Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, who, you know, obviously has distanced himself from the WWE. We don't know what he's going to do next. You wonder their dynamic. Like, Obviously, people love to indulge in other people's personal lives, but I think of it as a business aspect. Like, is that weird for her to be on WWE television and her husband is just, like, so against it? I think he would support her. Obviously, yeah. But you also think about, like, the different backstage people. Like, how do they view it, you know? Right. Like, do they look at her sideways? Like, what the hell do you know? Like, where'd your husband go and why did he leave? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they both are – they never made their relationship – like about WWE and they right. very were like very separate when she was announcing. I mean, sometimes the I other mean they announcers... were on Total Divas for a while there, and it was kind of weird because you could tell he doesn't like the whole behind the scenes stuff, and yeah. that's why they eventually left Total Divas because they both actually don't like it. And now Renee Young says that she's not using social media anymore, mm. and Dean Ambrose doesn't use social media anymore, so. I love them together. Yeah, I feel like she has a good on WWE, though, and I don't think she has, like, any reason to leave. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, when rumors start swirling that he was leaving, they figured that Renee would leave, too, but... She was the first female commentator, so... Why would she leave? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Wind Down. You can tune in to all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at WWDCast. That is at WWDCAST. We want to know what you think. What matches did you like this week? Moments made you kind of need a glass of wine. Tweet us. Tell us. Let us know. Email us. DM us. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Other than this week, we upload episodes every Saturday. Until next time. 
Enjoy your wine, and of course, enjoy your wrestling. Cheers! Cheers.